you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. The Season with Peter Schrager is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. What's up, everybody? Welcome to The Season with Peter Schrager. We are officially in the NFL offseason as we record this podcast. I am outside in a rental house on a porch recording this podcast, which is beautiful considering the modern technologies that we have. Aaron, you seem to be remote as well. My producer, Aaron Wong Kaufman. Aaron, where are you at? Are you in Brooklyn? Yeah, I actually uh, just got back to Brooklyn late this weekend. Where were you, pal? Was in in Mexico for a wedding. Okay, nice. Uh, we've got an amazing show up ahead, and we are excited to get started with it. Uh, real quick, though, when I say that everyone's remote or away, like I mean that. Sean McVeigh was texting me from New York City, where I'm not right now, and he's like, "Are you out? Do you want to get dinner?" I said, "No." Where he's like, "Oh, I'm going to Europe for the next couple of days with my wife. They're expecting a child. It's a baby moon." I'm like, "All right, congratulations. Enjoy." Uh, I texted with a couple of GMs to see if they'd come on the podcast. Multiple GMs are in Rome right now, Italy. Literally, I think like the OTAs ended, and these NFL folks just all boarded flights to Europe, and that's where they are. Um, I'm excited that our guest that we're going to have on today uh, is in Denver, Colorado. He is not in Paris, France or in uh, you name it in Europe, but it seems like everyone in the NFL has take the foot off the pedal this week. Even our show, Good Morning Football, is on hiatus. So my focus and my attention actually is geared onto the NBA draft lottery, and I'll be real quick with it. I, I think this Wembanyama, and I don't know, am I pronouncing it right? Wemby is what I've been calling him, is a uh, real sensation. I got a chance. It's really cool. NFL Network has us talking football, football, football. And there used to be an edict, like the second you guys start talking about any other sport on air, we lose viewers. It almost as if if we end up talking about Wimbledon, we're going to ha- you know, lose viewers to someone saying, oh, I forgot Wimbledon's on. I'm going to go put on Wimbledon. Or, hey, if we start talking about the NBA playoffs, people are going to say, well, I'll turn to ESPN for NBA playoffs talk. I guess I get that. Um, Wemby broke the mold though, when he had the three pointer and he missed it and then he followed it up and then dunked it in like one straight motion. I had to come on the show the next day and just say, I've been watching the YouTube clip 50 times in a row. Me saying that attracted the attention of, uh, some folks over at NBA.com and the NBA channel, which I thought was pretty cool. So then the NBA guys got in touch with me and said, Hey, we do this thing where we simulcast all of Wemby's games. Would you want to be a guest announcer on one of his games in like the Euro League or in Paris or wherever it was? I'm like, hell yeah, I do. I watched him. He was unbelievable. And I'm on the call and I'm like, his body type reminds me of Durant, but he also has like Stacy Augman to him. Uh, and that might be before your time, Aaron. He was like, yeah, no, I don't the know. plastic man, but he's a completely <laughs> flexible guy. And then I listened to Brian Windhorst on Bill Simmons's podcast, who uh, Wendy has had a Wendy and Wemby. That sounds like a good show. They've yeah. had a, he's had a chance to get to know 
the kid a little bit, went to Paris, France, um, was obviously over there and he covered him and he met his youth coach and was and spent time with him. And he's like, he also is really self-aware, cool, stylish, 100% like in touch with who he is and what is at stake. Um, not in like the big sense, but more like this is just a sport and I'm gonna do my best and my life won't be defined by that. I thought that was pretty cool stuff and insight. Uh, and that his game is incredible and that his wingspan might be eight feet. And I don't know, he's going to go first overall in the draft this week. If you're listening, this is being recorded on Wednesday morning. He's going to go to the Spurs and that's a sure thing. And that's great. But I also just am excited to watch him play. And I feel like the NBA can use some positive headlines. They can use another guy that's going to be, uh, you know, in the finals eventually and be the one that we're talking about. I feel like uh, I really enjoyed the Miami Heat story. I loved watching Jokic. Um, I don't know. I feel like NBA can use another star. It's going to be a busy time. And just from an NFL standpoint, any time that I can look at another sport and say, okay, that guy, that guy's got star potential. I'm intrigued. And someone put on a tweet to me. They said, who, does, who would you compare him to in the NFL? And it's so bland and so boring. There's so many ways you could poke this holes in this. But like just his whole this guy could be a freak show like we've never seen before. And then he also seems to be a great kid grounded and, you know, has good, what seems to be morals, ethics, and just wants to be the best he could possibly be as a person. Also, I'm going to say Mahomes. it's so lame and it's so stock. But when Mahomes came in the league, it was like, all right, this guy throws no look passes. He does freakish things. He's breaking all these records in his second year. Like there's no way that this kid could also be an amazing person in the community and all this stuff. And he has been, and he only gets better and he's motivated by the right things. Aaron, I am not in New York city right now. You are this Wemby going on the subway. They have video of him going to the Yankee game yesterday. And it's, he, he's jumping subway turnstiles and like people are chasing him and it's, he's having fun. And then he's on the subway and, I, I just feel like he held a baseball. They showed it. His hand like absolutely swallows it. I don't know. I know he's going to San Antonio, which may as well be the 38th market in the country. I don't know where they are like market wise, but I just feel like this guy's going to be a star and his story's cool. And I don't know. I'm excited to see what he's got to, he's going to bring to the table. Yeah. And I mean, it is kind of in, in, you'd think maybe it would be a bit of a downer just knowing it's so everyone knows he's going number one. There's no mystery there, but it's still, we can't get enough of him. He's so exciting. Um, you know, the, the wind horse conversation with Bill, where he talked about not only does he have, like, he can shoot the three and then follow up his own shot. He can defend inside and yeah. defend outside. I mean, like his, he, he probably will have more of an impact on defense right away, potentially, you know, like in his rookie year, but. You know, I was watching that game and. I'm calling it and it's on NBA.com or NBA TV and it was fun. I really loved it. Like I, I got into it and I'm like, you know what? Like Charles Oakley and Anthony Mason would beat the crap out of this yeah. guy. <laughs> they would just take him in the low post, you know, and, uh, Chauncey Bullops and, and, uh, and Ben Wallace and the 04 Pistons would, would not allow this guy to do what he pleases, but it's a different NBA now. And yeah. I actually, you know, everyone thought that, yeah, like Durant was going to get muscled around and wasn't gonna be able to do what he did because of his, his, you know, his weight. Guess what? Durant's one of the greatest scorers of all time. All right. Yeah. I got a segue for you. We talked about Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant was in a photograph with Aaron Rodgers, and they took a photo and Durant posted it, I guess on Monday. I don't know if I'm breaking news, but as we record this on Wednesday, 
I believe Rogers is set to speak at something called the Psychedelic Science Convention. It's in Denver. Um, it's the leaders in thought uh, when it comes to psychedelic sciences. I don't want to speak out of turn. I, I'm not criticizing by any means. I just don't know that field well enough. But uh, over 300 exhibitors, a thousand guests. My dear friend, Melissa Etheridge, who has become a pal through Good Morning Football and her love of the Chiefs, she's going to be speaking at this event. Um, I also saw that Rick Perry, the old, was he governor of Texas? Is that what he was? Yeah, I think so. He's going to be speaking at the event, but Aaron Rodgers is going to be speaking. I believe I'm, I believe it's with Aubrey Marcus, who he's done a long form podcast with, but Rodgers is in attendance and, uh, Look, he's continuing to expand his horizons, and he's always said, "Judge me all you want. Like, I, just be curious. Like, I'm curious. That's it. Like, you can judge what you want. I'm, I'm curious about this stuff, and that's what I'm into. So, I'm not passing judgment. But the Rogers is a great segue because we're going to talk Rogers with our next guest. We haven't recorded it yet. We're going to get him live in about two minutes. But Nathaniel Hackett has been through the ups and downs of the NFL when it comes to being a coach. He also is one of these Aaron Rodgers whispers where he's one of the guys that Rodgers just loves being coached by and loves being in the room with. Uh, he is now the offensive coordinator of the New York Jets. There are high expectations, but he also went through a tumultuous 2022 season. We'll see how much he wants to talk about that and where he is as far as uh, this post-Broncos experience, which I can't imagine was easy for anyone, whether or not you, you think uh, he deserved to be fired or not. The 15 game season and then to be let go before the season's over is something that has to has to be something that sits with you and now he's a chance to redeem himself so nathaniel hackett chet's offensive coordinator will be joining us after this you go into your shower feeling tired but as soon as you reach for the irish spring your day immediately gets better that crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. So excited for our guest today. Uh, I've been pals with him for a while, and I think he's one of the greatest offensive minds in this league right now. Um, he was with the Denver Broncos as the head coach last year. He is with the New York Jets as the offensive coordinator this year. He has finally taken a little break. It has been, I would say, uh, a pedal to the metal since he took the job with the Jets as the OC, and now they are on break. Let's welcome in Nathaniel Hackett to the season with Peter Schrager. Nathaniel Hackett, good morning, my friend. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Uh, I think our first interaction goes back to when you were with the Bills or the Jaguars, and you and I were talking about like Will Ferrell movies at like a production <laughs> meeting. And I'm like, I think I like this guy. I don't know this guy, but I think we have something in common. And then here we are about 10 years later, and you and I are talking, and you're the offensive coordinator of the New York Jets, which is basically the team in my backyard. Uh, I, I guess I would ask, how's it been with the Jets since you signed back on to be the offensive coordinator? And it's nuts to be with Aaron, and here we go again. I mean, it's crazy. You know, it's, it's as you are in this profession this long, it's amazing how things end up working out. And um, to be with the New York Jets, to be back with Aaron, uh, I mean, it's unbelievable. I mean, a guy that I, I love so much, an organization that means so much to me and my family. I mean, 
Um, my dad, uh, who coached a long time, he was the offensive coordinator at the New York Jets. So I think that's something uh, that means a lot to me to be able to to go to a place that he's been. So um, I love it. I mean, let's go. New Jersey, New York, all of it. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm going to come back to the Jets in a second. I want to do a parallel here. Tell me if I'm wrong. All right. So your father was a legendary coach, Paul Hackett. Um, yes. Still is a legendary mind. Uh, went from college ranks then was in the NFL and he was, you know, the OC for the, for the Kansas city chiefs when Joe Montana was there. But before that he was with Montana with the Niners when they won the Super Bowl in 84. And then he's reunited with Montana when Montana's traded to the chiefs. And he was the OC there in Montana, which is rave about your pops and was this great relationship between Hackett and Montana, Hackett and Montana. You and Rogers kind of have the similar path right now where you guys had this great success when you were his offensive coordinator in Green Bay. You break up for a year and then now you're reunited again and it's like Hackett and Rodgers, Hackett and Rodgers. Have you and your dad ever spoken about that and how there's something about the communicating with the great ones that maybe not everyone has a secret that that you guys might? Uh, I mean, it, we definitely talk about it a lot. Um, I mean, uh, my dad and, and Joe were obviously very close. Um, I think that was one of the reasons why Joe went to Kansas City during that time. I think that anytime you get, um, I mean, any quarterback, any quarterback that is comfortable with a guy that's in his ear um, on game day, that is going through the game plan process, that uh, knows that you got his back and you're trying to do everything you can to put him in the best position possible, um, that, that's always appealing to, to any guy. And um, it is unique like kind of the whole thing. I remember I had gotten a text when, when the Aaron trade had gone through that a lot of people were drawing those parallels and, you know, I was just kind of laughing. And um, I mean, it is crazy. Again, it's crazy how this, this game works. I mean, it's why we all love the NFL so much. Why we love this game so much is um, when you get crazy things like this happening. I mean, who would have thought that I would have been at the New York Jets, let alone Aaron. Uh, I mean, in this, just a short period of time, I mean, anything can happen. That's why it's a great game. You talk about your influence that your father has on you, obviously. What was it like growing up as a coach's son? Obviously, you're traveling, you're going to new places, you're making new friends. Um, but for you to decide to go into this profession as well, you must have truly, uh, not idolized, but maybe you looked at it as, hey, that's, that's a step and that's a path and I want to embody what my father did as well. Yeah, I mean, growing up as a kid in this game is crazy. And I'm glad that I'm there uh, for my kids um, as you go through this process, because there's a lot of, a lot of ups and a lot of downs. And, um, it, again, that's why this game is so great because of those ups and downs. Um, but, uh, growing up in this, my, my, my one of the coolest things about my, myself was being able to grow up in a locker room. Hmm. Uh, my dad, right out the gate. I mean, I remember when we were at university of Pitt and, uh, Curtis Martin, Alex Van Pelt, um, all these guys, Ricardo McDonald, I mean, so many great players. My dad threw me in a locker room and made me work in the equipment room. Is that uh, right? Wash, oh, yeah. Made me wash clothes, pick up clothes, um, fold towels. I mean, he wanted me. So, so just being around the guys and then uh, going to Kansas City, um, I mean, I was there the whole time. And, I mean, I've got some friends, Darren Kearns, who took me under his wing, Alan Wright, who's the head equipment guy now. Still at is. The Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, I mean, he's there. Mike Davidson, who still works there. You're naming um, equipment guys from the Chiefs. I, Those are the guys that had an impact on you. I love this, though. I, I mean, and that's the thing. Like, I mean, when you're in the locker room with those guys, I mean, I, I remember when Marcus Allen, because it was Joe Montana, Marcus Allen, Kim Lander, Derek Thomas, those guys, I mean, I'm picking up their laundry and uh, and washing clothes and, and getting to know them, see them interaction and just – 
just being able to be part of that uh, was so amazing. And I think that's something that my dad did great um, for me is, is let me be part of the team. Because, I mean, in the end, that's why we love this game so much. Mm-hmm. And that's why people get so addicted to it in this profession. Because being a part of team, I mean, there's nothing like it. And, uh, you know, it, it was a very small part um, for me because I wasn't even there full time. It was primarily the summers. But just that little interaction, you know, you could see how beautiful this whole thing is and just see how the guys all – are together all the time. And so that was kind of the best thing growing up as a kid. Now, um, I never thought I was going to be a coach. I really did. You didn't. Not? I, didn't I go. mean, cause I was going to say, you start, you start thinking, okay, nah. I can do anything. And you might <laughs> resent the fact that you lived in California, Kansas city, New Jersey, like you were bouncing around. There was a lot of moving. I mean, it's it's we always say you either get a better job or you lose your job in a, in a small, small amount of time on this profession. And um, I mean, it's, it was one of those things that just kind of kind of happened. I mean, I, I didn't go to college in, in the mindset of doing that. Um, I think that uh, it kind of came down to a couple things as I got out of college and uh, ended up uh, getting very lucky and, and working hard. And, and a couple people took a shot on me. And here I am now. Yeah. And I think what, what the universal thing on you is that you're a great communicator and that you speak to these young men as 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 equals, but you also teach and impart and you have a different vision on things that that came from your days in buffalo coaching ej manuel and kyle orton and jeff tool but then primarily to me those jacksonville years with blake bortles just a couple years but you guys got to the afc championship game and were a couple plays short of beating the patriots Mm. and playing in a super bowl with a really young team and the universal thing was marone's the coach it's great uh hack it really connecting with these players on offense a really young offense you want to take us through just that ride that i mean the win in pittsburgh <laughs> is still one of the greatest upsets and yet you guys went toe-to-toe with them put up 40 plus points in pittsburgh yeah that was that was one of the coolest games i had ever been a part of especially uh, when you look at the game before we played the buffalo bills and um, really, it wasn't a great offensive output no. um, the, by either team. I think we won uh, like ten to seven or something like that. And um, then to be able to go to you know a place like Pittsburgh that I have so much respect for, growing up there as a kid, and just the Steelers in in general are, are such an amazing franchise. And um, you know, I think we ended up winning that game forty five to forty two. So I think just seeing the two different game plans and the two different executions um was 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 awesome and um yeah you know that team was very young and it was very stacked on defense and um the offense were a lot of young guys a lot of guys that hadn't i mean keelan cole was was a rookie free agent and dd westbrook was a was a rookie and alan Alan hearns was our uh was our old wiley vet because we had lost alan robinson on i think it was the third play of the season um, week one and and those guys Leonard Fournette was was a rookie and um, Chris Ivory was there I mean it, it was a great Mercedes Lewis who is one of my all-time all-time one of the greatest tight ends to ever play this game but I, I think the cool thing about it was those guys bonded together and everybody understood their role and uh, you know you, you look at Blake and what he did he, he transformed himself that year and, uh, and we were just in a really efficient offense and it was great because as the year started it wasn't great we the, the deal we were running the ball really well and the defense played great and and then Blake really started picking up steam halfway through this the season I think he had like 300 plus yards throwing like five games in a row or something like that and we ended up finishing in the top 10 of the offense a lot of people forget that and I, I just love being part of that because 
there weren't a ton of superstars at the time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but the guys played together. And when you talk about the communication, I think, Hey, you know, we're teachers as a coach, you know, we're teachers. We're just like a kid going to high school. Um, you have to find ways to inspire. You have to find ways to get them to be excited to um, learn all the different plays, whether it's a football play or uh, biochemistry, whatever it is that you're doing. And um, I really give so much credit to that whole group that year in 2017. I mean, all those guys, they they really bought in on the things that we wanted to do and the philosophy that we had in running the football and play play pass down the field. And uh, it was a thing. It was really a thing of beauty. We had a chance there. I mean, Blake had a great playoff run those three games and especially that Pittsburgh game. And um, but but it, it was a fun run there. You know, it, it, yeah, I mentioned guys and I almost say it and people at home are like, what, EJ Manuel and and Kyle or like, but you had to kind of work with what you had in both Buffalo and nothing against Blake Bortles in Jacksonville. And then things implode in Jacksonville. You eventually get the job in Green Bay and then you walk in to work with maybe the most naturally, physically gifted thrower of the football in the history of the sport. What is your reaction, the delta between what you've seen as a football coach to then getting to know Aaron Rodgers and seeing the things he does day to day? Yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned all those QBs. And, um, you know, I've, I've been lucky to work with a lot of different guys. And every quarterback in this league is so uniquely different. Um, I mean, every guy kind of ticks a little bit different. Um, they all have different ways that they learn, different ways that they comprehend things. And um, having an opportunity to go to Green Bay, another amazing franchise, to be able to go in there and uh, work with a guy like Aaron, I, I think the thing that appealed to me was his foundation of kind of what I had learned um, early, in my early, early days with my father um, was something that we uh, were able to communicate really well. Um, the, the true West Coast old school offense, because, you know, Aaron was originally trained by Mike McCarthy, who Mike McCarthy had been with my father, heck, for, I mean, nine years. I mean, Is that I right? Known, yeah. I mean, I had known Mike since I was nine years old. He worked through uh, through the ranks at the Pitt Panthers and then went to the Kansas City. He was there with Joe Montana and all those guys. So, um, so I think that to have an opportunity to work with Aaron and, and even more with Matt LaFleur, I mean, Matt, Matt and I had known each other a long time. Uh, you know, obviously it's an incredible offense that, that they have created over time. And to be able to learn that offense, to be able to work with a guy like Aaron, who was trained from day one, you know, like the Joe Montana's had uh, in the early days, it was just a really cool experience to be there and, and kind of uh, correlate those two offenses and, and be with a guy. Again, when we talk about Aaron, I mean, Aaron, Aaron's uniqueness is how he sees the game. I mean, yes, he can throw the forward pass very, yeah. very efficiently. I mean, he can put that ball anywhere he wants. I mean, heck, he practically invented his own gun footwork, as we like to call it. And, um, I mean, watching him throw the ball is incredible. I mean, in practice, you're wowed all the time. Um, but I think the thing for me was how he sees the game. I mean, how he's out there and uh, operating. And, and I mean, truly, he's out there having fun with the guys, playing ball and listening to so many different things and messing with the the opposing defense and the opposing defensive coordinators and um, <laughs> how he sees coverages, how he sees – I mean, it's it's crazy. Like, I don't think he – I mean, I know everybody knows that he's really smart – and, you know, he's a really good thrower of the football. But, I mean, just his knowledge and understanding of defenses and the game is is unbelievable. I think that's what always sets those guys so far apart 
And when you look at some of the greats, I mean, just talking with some of them throughout my time, I mean, their true understanding of the game of football and how it fits. And I mean, it's like another coach out there. I mean, that's all we study. And I think those guys do that also. LaFleur told a great story to me when I did my podcast with Sean McVay. We did Flying Coach. LaFleur told a story of his first year with Aaron. There's about four seconds on the play clock. And LaFleur is looking at the play clock, Lynn, the play clock. And it's his first year with this one. And he calls a timeout, and Rodgers comes and just tears into him and says, don't you ever. I had a da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And LaFleur's like, I I didn't know. And he goes, don't you ever, ever do that because I'm doing it on purpose. I'm going to bring it down to the shot clock with one second because I know there's a man coming in motion, and I know we have it, but I don't want to give it away. And I'm like, it's the stuff like that. Like, when was the first time you, as the OC working with him, saw something in, in Rodgers where he did something and you were just, holy, I've never seen anything like that before. There was a time in practice. Um, we had run a play that had – my dad always taught me these plays. He would say, um, okay, all these plays have uh, the number one, the number two, the number three, and we put little numbers on all these these pass drawings. And then they've got these other ones that have just like an alert on it. And my dad would always tell me, hey, that's a Joe Montana read. Once you're that experienced, once you know defense as well enough, okay, you can think about that one. <laughs> and I remember we're in practice and we have a play that has, you know, very basic one, two, three. And Aaron drops back, looks right. And this is just in practice, looks right, comes back over and throws the alert on the backside for an amazing touchdown. I forget who he threw it to. Um, but it was actually Luke Getzey and I were in the room and we're like looking at each other and we're like, how, how did, what was he doing? And Aaron just kind of gives you one of those like little smirks. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so Getzey and I go back and we look and like, I want to say it was like a week earlier when we had run that play versus our defense, he noticed that they had pushed everybody over. And so there was a one-on-one matchup on the backside to a corner route. And he had remembered that just, from practice, like how he was watching practice. I'm like, Oh my goodness. I can't believe he remembered from that practice clip so far earlier that he could go all the way back there. And that would, and he got the exact same coverage, heard all the same things and then attacked that guy. So it's like, everybody's live. I mean, I was just, I was like, wow, I've never gone to that guy in that play. And well, Hey, I I guess, I guess you've seen it, but just for him to be able to remember that had happened was, was, was pretty impressive. And I was like, okay, this is, this is pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, you know, you mentioned your, your father several times already. I, you said something in one of your Jets interviews, whether it was be on the press conference or it was during a podcast with their gentleman, Eric Allen, who does it over there for them. Um, your father never called a play out of the shotgun in 20 years of coaching. Never. And now we look at these offenses and they're so interchangeable and there's so much different stuff. How would you define your offense? Are you West Coast? Are you wide zone? Like what, what would you describe the Nathaniel Hackett offense now as we enter 2023 with Rodgers at, at, your, at your mercy with whatever you want to do with them? Yeah, I, uh, I, my dad and I, we fight a lot about that. It's, it's, why aren't you under center more? Why aren't you under center? How do you see the defense? Got to have your eyes up all the time. And, um, but I think that in today's game, you know, everybody has to make adjustments. And I think a big part of what the reason why we all go to the gun is because of all the intricate defenses we see. I mean, there are guys, um, in the old days, they all didn't stand in all the gaps across the board and then drop out and run and, you know, be able to athletically still cover people from, standing almost like a defensive lineman. Mm. And um, so I would say, you know, the West Coast offense is something uh, people throw around quite a bit. 
And uh, for me, um, we are very much West Coast. And the West Coast is defined, for me, how you train the quarterback, how you teach the quarterback and train the quarterback. But I think there's still a huge component of what I was able to learn from Matt LaFleur. He, he is somebody that uh, I just respect so much. And, I mean, he's a dear friend of mine, and uh, I love the things he does. So the wide zone is kind of the starting point in the run game with the play pass and the, and the keepers based off of that. But when you look at the, the quick game, the drop back, that world, um, that's more of a West Coast um, world, uh, kind of like what Aaron grew up. So it's a mesh between those two um, with the wide zone, the play passes off of it, and the pure quick game and drop back West Coast world. Now, Matt was a head coach and an offensive mind. You were the offensive coordinator. Now you enter this deal with Sala where I'm assuming he's like, here are the keys. Like, I'm not, you go, do your offensive, like whatever you want to do. Does Aaron have the green light to audible out of whatever he wants? Can Aaron kind of, <laughs> is Aaron out there basically with you co-calling these plays? Like, what's the dynamic now that there's no head coach who's going to say, actually, no, let's run this? Uh, you know, th- th- there's aspects of every play. And I think that uh, for for us, um, you always want to be in a good play. I mean, there's so many unique defenses that you face. And that's another argument that I have with my father all the time. He's like, ah, you should just call this play and run it. I'm like, well, dad, the people play their coverage is a lot different uh, than the olden days. And, uh, and so I think uh, for me, I think as long as we understand the intention of the play and what we're trying to accomplish within it, and I think that's what's so great about having Aaron is, hey, you're calling this play for this reason. This is what you're trying to – you want to throw this ball way down the field. But if you don't get that advantageous look from the defense, well, we don't want to waste that play. So I think whether it's built into the play call, whether it's built into an audible package, however we want, we always want to be sure that we're uh, being efficient and always have the ability to stretch the ball down the field. Um, so I think there's going to be some freedom with Aaron. And, and Aaron, as we moved forward and in the Green Bay system, there was definitely more freedom as we went. And um, we're going to just continue that because I think you got to take advantage of a guy like Aaron that is – I'm so smart and understands it. So uh, trying to build this thing for him and build it so that when he sees certain things, he can do um, all kinds of stuff and uh, put us in the best position possible. Why do, why do you and him get along so well? Not that he doesn't get along with everyone, but he's a, he's a different kind of cat. And yet you and him, like, gosh, it's like you guys love each other. I mean, I could see it in the press conferences from him, from you, but also you hang and you go back to all the stuff, the gold zone, all the stuff in Green Bay. You connected with him in a way that I don't think we've seen him connect with many coaches before. Um, I'm not asking for the secret sauce, but what was it that you guys kind of clicked on and how come the two of you are so tight both on, off the field? I mean, it was just something that happened naturally. I think that we have a lot of things in common. I mean, uh, there's a lot of things uh, we love to do across the board, uh, off the field. I mean, we're big. We love movies. Um, <laughs> a lot of the same kind of movies. Um, we're both close in age. So I think that a lot of the things that, that we talk about, well, there is a lot of correlation. I mean, heck, I coached at Stanford uh, against him when he was playing a cow. Is that right? We That's were, good. Yeah, we were both young guys. And um, so I think that, uh, you know, I mean, there's just a lot of things that we have in common. And um, Random movie that you and Rogers would mesh on that like it's not an obvious one. It's not Step Brothers. It's not you know oh Boogie oh Nights. Like give me a random deep cut <laughs> Boogie movie. Boogie Nights. That... Where the hell, where did Boogie Nights come from? <laughs> uh, that was that was a good one. That that was a very unique movie back then. Um, I mean, gosh, we we've got so I mean we got so many just from how we quote them and how we talk about them, and um, that's part of all the things. Starsky and Hutch. You, yeah. you got to love Starsky and the Hutch. The Ben Stiller and, one. Oh yeah, <laughs> I mean, it, there's a lot of. I mean, Will Ferrell. I mean, anything that Will Ferrell's in. I mean, we we, we love. I mean, he he's absolutely fantastic. But 
Um, we actually had a big movie uh, the other day. Uh, Todd Downing um, is on, on our staff, a, a dear friend of mine, somebody I was with when I was at Buffalo. And um, we had a little barbecue and we had this long conversation with my, my good friend that works with us also at the New York Jets, John Vieira. And, and okay. the, we, we were going through this whole process of movies. And here we are. It's it's uh, John, Todd, me and, and Aaron talking about these movies. And we've got Zach Wilson, Tim Boyle. Um, yeah. Strevler, we're, we're all sitting there. completely over their head, right? I mean, they're like, "What movies are those?" I what mean, were you guys talking? So, I love that you understand. We could talk about the West Coast mesh and all that. All this yeah. is the stuff. That <laughs> no, so, yeah. what movies were? What, what, what wormhole were we going? Down? Oh, you should have seen the list that we built for their summer. You know how there used to be a summer reading program? Yeah, summer movie. We, we, of course, we, a movie we, list. we created a these. summer movie list. Let's go and through it, was, man. I mean, it was, I mean, so it started off as like a one pager and then there were a couple movies that were put put on there that I was a little bit um, upset about. Yeah, Um, didn't deserve to be on the list. No, and so we ended up setting up by genres, I mean, mafia movies too. I mean, there were so many things that they hadn't seen that we were like, okay, to get on the same page. You're playing in New Jersey. That is a a sector of movie. You need to have, you need to know Goodfellas. You need to know Donnie Brasco. You need to know... Uh, oh, just the Godfathers. Let's go Godfathers sure. and Scarface. And, and and you look at some of these, the, the movies that like blew my mind. I mean, it was funny because my son was there too. And my son saw it. So how I old mean, is your son? My son's 15. I mean, okay. he had never seen Terminator. I mean, they, they looked at me, they looked at me and, and they're like, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger, what has he been in? You know, because they look at him and he's the governor of California. And you forget these guys are so young. You're like, oh my gosh, we need a major education. I mean, Shawshank Redemption, you know, I mean, there were so many different things that we we were like, okay, we got to make sure we get all these things down. And the guys had seen a couple of them. And, yeah. uh, but I mean, there had to have been, I mean, we kind of went a little overboard, but we figured it could last longer than the summer. You know, it's a long season, a lot of travel. Yeah, this could be a lifelong, like, this is a Bible. This is great. This is what you Oh, need. yeah. Oh, we, we went through, we went through them all from Bruce Willis diehards to, yeah. um, and then, I mean, the, I mean, it, it was a great list. I'm gonna have to send it to you. It, the I list would, was I extensive. I would like to and... share that and we'll share it with our <laughs> listeners. And I, it, I'm laughing because I'm picturing, all right, you got these coaches and you've got like, Zach Wilson, who's 22, Chris Streveler, who's been all over the world playing football. You know, you've got this great room, and then there's Rogers, kind of calm in the corner, like just probably throwing out titles. Like, yeah, what about this one? What about this one? Hey, I'll tell you, if you could see our quarterback meetings, I mean, the, the when Aaron and I start talking, and because again, the fun thing about our room right now is you've got a lot of you've got guys that want to learn, um, that that are striving to become better, and. Um, the cool thing about having Aaron in there is he was there for a lot of the origination, um, the, the first protections, the first uh, um, why these concepts were named what they were named. So the conversation and, and I know kind of the history of all that stuff. So w- w- when we start talking about where these things come, it, it's great because you get an in-depth knowledge of the system and what you're trying to accomplish. But it, there's always that history, whether it's movies and then you jump to football and then um, great football player, you know, just all those things, you know, it, it's great to have that background, that history, because I think that's what makes people closer to an offense. You know, if they think that a play is called, you know, apples, it's, well, why is it apples? Yeah. You know, where did that stem from? Well, let me well, tell you the story. It actually, yeah, <laughs> here that's it good. comes, you know? And so I think those are the fun conversations to have because it starts meaning something, meaning more to you. So when you do go out on the field, you can see where it, it, it just comes alive and you believe in it more because of where that thing came from. You go into your shower feeling tired. 
But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Zonovan Knight, Bam Knight, was on uh, our Good Morning Football morning show. And he told a story about he was in a running back's room. And it was him. And it was Carter. And it was Brees. And the lights were down. And there's going through some concept. And I don't know who the running back's coach is these days. I apologize. Probably a best friend of yours, something like that. And he's going. Taylor Embry. There you go. So he's going through it. And he's doing a thing. And it's dark. And all of a sudden, a voice from the back of the room like just says, like, actually, da-da-da-da, consider this. And, and it was Rogers, like, sitting in the back of the running back's room, just, like, watching and listening. And, like, maybe I'm wrong on the story. But that's what I the gist of it. How much of an advantage is to have another voice who speaks your language and can almost be a coach that is now engaged and fully in on it? I feel like you guys have this, you know, we could talk about the offensive line play, whether they're going to keep him up all, all we want. But the fact that he's with these young guys teaching them offense as if he's a coach and they listen to him like they do, that's got to be a huge advantage. Oh, it's awesome. I mean, coaches, yeah, I, I learned, Joe Dumars said something that, that I thought was really cool from the old Detroit Pistons. He said, uh, Coaching-led teams are very good teams, but the great teams are player-led teams. Hmm. And so I think that's such a powerful thing when you have a player um, being able to communicate those things and have those conversations. And I think that's something that Aaron has been really uh, enjoying, you know, just hit all the communication he's had, whether um, he's sitting in the room and we're a whole offense together and we're talking about certain plays or certain things. And, and he start, when he chimes in, I mean, that goes so far, not just because it's Aaron Rodgers, but because it's another player. It's a guy that's, you know, in there running it instead of just always hearing it from a coach and a coach talking to you. It's about the players interacting and learning because in the end, they're the ones that are out on the field. They're the ones that have to uh, be able to operate. You can call any play you want. And if it's executed you know, perfectly every single time, there's going to be some form of efficiency. Um, the players are going to know how to react. And I think that when Aaron gives you all those answers and, um, and, and we're all speaking the same language, I, I think it's a very powerful thing. And, I, and, and that's what has really been fun during this offseason. And I'm excited after we get a nice break. I'm excited for it to continue uh, throughout training camp. Do you feel like he's re, not reinvigorated, but invigorated to be with new guys and so much youth on this team? I mean, he's been great. I mean, when I was at Green Bay those three years, um, I mean, I remember the first year we, we had a great time. Then then we hit COVID and, and that third year, once he got it, I mean, the great thing about Aaron is when he's in the room, when he's in the facility, I mean, he's all in. I mean, he is, he's grinding, he's talking, he's communicating. Um, I think that being here at the New York Jets, um, it is completely different for him. something he's never experienced before. And I think that that kind of excites him. Um, just a totally new area, to, totally new experience. Um, I think that, you know, and it's a challenge for any quarterback to come into sure. a brand new place um, because there is so much stimuli around you. And uh, I think he's done a great job being able to kind of hyper-focus and just set on those players when he has those opportunities and um, talk with a guy like Garrett Wilson, be around a guy like Alan uh, Lazard, who's already been around, and watching those two guys interact and interact with the group, with Randall Cobb, you know, all these guys. I mean, it's just fun to see the interaction. I think he enjoys that. He enjoys the team. That's why Aaron's still playing. 
He plays because of the locker room, because of the guys that are in there. I mean, that's why he loves the game. That's why any guy can wants to play as long as he can for the team. Yourself, I mean, these last 12 months have been such a whirlwind. I can only imagine where what you've been through, not just just your family and where we're going, but also mental health wise and, and your own ambition and your own like, you know, self-worth and all this stuff when it's tied to the coaching profession. What have you learned over the last 12 months after the Denver experience, then now landing back on your feet with the jets, but just what would you say almost in the rear view? I know it's probably, you're still going through it every day of just what the hell just happened. But I would ask you like, what, what is your big takeaway? Because you talk about the highs and lows of coaching. I would assume that's viewed as a low, but in the long term, it's going to be a high for what you got out of it. Uh, in the end, you got to win. I mean, that, that's what it's all about. Whether you're a coach, whether you're a player, you got to win. And uh, we didn't win enough. And so I have to look back, and I think there's so many things that I learned over my time. I think it was a great, a great experience on, on all the different things. I mean, you never know what it's going to be like until you're in that chair. And uh, it was an honor to be in that chair, even though it was a limited time. And um, you could just continually take all the things that, that you went through and uh, the things that you can potentially do better, um, the things that you might not have done well enough. And um, you, as a coach, we question everything, every second. We always want to try to make ourselves better. And I think there's a lot of things I learned that are going to make me better. And um, I think everything happens for a reason. Uh, you know, I look at it and say, wow, to be able to have an opportunity to be at the New York Jets, um, to be back with Aaron, um, I think that's, uh, that's unbelievable. And uh, so I think just everything happens for a reason. And this happened for this reason. And uh, here we are. And I, I mean, I'm, I'm so excited for this season. And, and my family's excited to get to New Jersey and, um, you know, get going there. I, I, I said the word invigorated for Aaron, but you sound invigorated. You sound like you've got this like pep in your step. Is there a chip on your shoulder or does that not exist when you're a coach? Because then you start coaching beyond what you want to do. You know, and then you start trying to do extra. Like, But do you feel like you want to maybe show some folks a thing or two who might have said, hey, this this is what I can do also? I mean, in the end, I mean, a coach, you know, we're teachers, you know, there's so many things that we can't control. You know, everybody looks at a coach and says, oh, you know, this or that or this. And um, that's part of the profession. That's what we all signed up for. But in the end, my job is to put the guys in, a, in a, the best position possible and they have to go out there and execute. I mean, it's, it's that simple. I mean, I can't catch it. I can't throw it. I can't tackle or block or anything like that. I wish I could, but it wouldn't be pretty. Um, so I think for me, you know, you have to continually learn and, and hold back those things that, you know, in the end you just can't control. And I think that when you kind of let that go and understand that there are going to be some things that are going to happen that, um, you never expected, um, there are going to be some things that, you know, you can call perfect play in a perfect situation, but you know, as coaches, we're not the ones executing it. And so I think it's not about me. It isn't. The only thing I would say that it is about me is I just want to be the best version of myself. I remember mm -hmm. Matt used to always say that. That's that's the whole mindset is walking in that building, trying to do whatever you can to be the best version of yourself. Because if I can then portray that to those players, then they're going to be able to get out on that field and uh, they're going to be able to execute at a high level. And that's all that I want. I just want to see Aaron play uh, some of the best football he's ever played in his career. Um, I think that that was something that was so fun to be a part of. Um, when we were at Green Bay, and I, I, I want to see him, uh, you know, get to the, you know, where he wants to be. I want him to accomplish what he wants to accomplish. I want to watch Garrett Wilson um, be great. Alan Lazard, Randall Cobb. I mean, Bam, like you mentioned, Michael Brees, all those guys. Um, our tight end group, all those guys. I want them to. I just want them to have fun out there and, and play football together. And uh, I want to watch them interact and all that. That's that's the environment that I like to create because. 
I can control that environment. I can make sure that they're going out there and they're working together. Kind of like you look back at that Jacksonville days. Yeah. I mean, that, that 2017, I think that was some of the thing that I was the most proud of is watching those guys go out there and just play ball together. I mean, and I, I know they're not a lot of household names, but the one thing I know is that those guys played together. And if you get that, you're going to have an opportunity to be successful. And uh, that, that, that's all I want to see happen because it's not about me. There's only so many things a coach can control, uh, regardless of what anybody wants to admit. You know, uh, you're you're in New Jersey now, and we went to the Nick game, and it was like, here's New York City in, in all in its grandeur and its glory, what it could be, right? Like celebrities mm. everywhere, the fans so hardcore, the garden rocking, and you just get a taste of it. Like, if the Jets win, how damn cool this can be. Have you had any really cool interactions with fans or anything? Does even being in Jersey, I know you're probably living at the facility, but like. A little taste of it of just what this can be if the Jets have success. I mean, I would say going to that Nick game was was pretty awesome. I mean, New York City is I mean, it's arguably the greatest city in the world. I mean, we're talking um, I mean, it's a place that my wife and, and I have gone to visit for years. You know, we love it. I mean, we're lucky to be. I mean, I had all my kids in New York, Syracuse and Buffalo. And uh, huh. so, I mean, we, we, we love New York. And I'll tell you, New Jersey is unbelievably beautiful. I had no clue New Jersey was. No, you probably just think of the, the opening to Sopranos off the highway. Then you're like, wait a second. There's actually green and there's some lovely. Back, you know, it's awesome. Hey, there, there's a reason why they call it the Garden State. And I, I, I mean, I just think, I mean, it's it's been such a great experience there. I haven't had a lot of interaction with people. I've been, like you said, keeping my head down, mm -hmm. uh, just going to and from the house and um, and then uh, just trying to grind and work. But, I mean, being in that Nick game, just being able to hop on the train and be able to go into the city is such so so great. I mean, going to Broadway and um, going to amazing restaurants um, is something that I'm I'm just lucky to be a part of. And, uh, but, but it, it's, it's going to be fun. I mean, every place you go, I mean, you always hear people say that, you know, um, if you win, you know, oh my God, it's going to be amazing. And this and that, uh, I, there's a lot of highs and a lot of lows. You're going to go through adversity no matter what. And so I think as a coach, you just got to kind of focus in on, on what your role is and, and get those guys in good positions. And, you know, I, I'm excited to, to get the jets going. All right, we're going to do really quick rapid fire because I know you got to get out of here and you're doing us a favor on your off week uh, doing this five. Really rapid fire. These are fun questions, um, and a little introspective, and then okay. we'll get out of here. Uh, first one, I assume your father is your coaching mentor and a guy you look towards, but outside of your father, who is another person that you call for advice or someone that if you're in a bind coaching-wise, you like to bounce some thoughts off of? Uh, I would say there's two. Alex Van Pelt who's the offensive coordinator for Cleveland Browns. Um, known him my whole life. Uh, he was one of the guys that was at University of Pitt. And then uh, and Matt LaFleur. Like, Matt LaFleur is another guy that I that I talked to um, a bunch. Uh, and then Todd Downing would have been one, but he's on the staff, so so that doesn't really count. Um, but, uh, but no, definitely Alex. Alex is somebody that, that means the world to me. Kyle Orton, you guys brought him out of retirement off the chair uh, in his house, and he went and won a bunch of games for the Buffalo Bills for you guys. Take us through that time, and were you one of the guys trying to convince Orton to come out of retirement? I love that time in Buffalo Bills football, pre-Josh Allen. That was a great experience. I mean, Kyle's an awesome guy, um, and he definitely came right off the couch. And, uh, I mean, just um, having him out there and uh, and watching him spin the rock, I mean, he, he, he's, got a, he's got a cannon. 
And uh, it was pretty fun during that whole time. I remember we, we scored a touchdown um, to Lee Smith. Actually, I think it, it was versus the Jets. I think it was, it was during that one. That was like the first goal line pass he had ever scored a touchdown on. And just being part of that, he had his longest run. He scrambled for like 10 yards and he was all <laughs> fired up for that. I remember, I remember when, when he ended up starting to play, uh, he was like, hey, listen, man, we, we got to get over 500 because he wanted his record to be over 500. Yeah. I was like, I'm going to do everything to help you, man. I mean, but but that was such a great experience because, you know, being with a with a again with an older guy because, uh, you know, we I'd just been working with EJ and Jeff and they were rookies and Dad Lewis and um, and those guys worked so hard and, and, and were great. But uh, playing at a young age in this game is very, very difficult. I don't think people understand the thing that the, how rigorous it is for these quarterbacks and be able to get Kyle in there who knew so much. I mean, I remember the first game we're playing the Detroit Lions at uh, the Lions because that year was a weird year. We ended up playing in Detroit twice. We had a blizzard and the game got canceled, moved to Monday, huh. and we actually played the Jets again in Detroit. But the that first game versus the Lions, I remember uh, Kyle because I had never called plays for him. He'd only been there for about four weeks. <laughs> and uh, he throws a pick six. And uh, I want to say it was like the second or third series. And he, uh, I remember he comes up on the sideline. He's like, oh, got that one out of the way. Okay. He's <laughs> he joking man. about it. And I'm like, all right, man, great, you know, because as a coach, you don't know how, you know, should I get mad? Should I? And uh, and he ended up winning in a two minute drive through a, a a big play to Sammy Watkins on the left side, and we ended up kicking a field goal to win the game. I mean, it was a, it was really cool. It was a great experience working with Kyle. He he was awesome. I can't say enough good things about him. I love that. Um, your favorite Aaron Rodgers in game pass? You you probably could chart every pass he threw as a Packer, but you go back and the one that still gives you goosebumps. Oh gosh, there are, there's been a lot of really, really cool throws. Give me one. Um, you know, it's, I would say the very first game we had played. So you always hear those stories about Aaron seeing people sub or jumping the ball. And I, I remember it's our first game. We're playing Thursday night. It was the opening game um, versus the Chicago Bears. And he, we're getting down in the red zone and you know here we are as coaches we've got all our plans and the things that we want to we want to get done and i'll be damned we're we're about to try to call play and he jumps the ball and snaps it and we're like what the what's going on and he runs around and and we i see the flag thrown i'm like oh this is great and then he launches it up and jimmy graham goes up and catches uh, catches the first touchdown of that 2019 season and it was a, it was an incredible it was it was a great throw but I think for me that that was the first time I saw him being able to attack the defense from that standpoint and be able to jump the ball and score a touchdown that was the only touchdown we scored that whole game yeah I remember Smash Amos had a couple of picks in that game right yeah he did and that that's what ended up sealing it for us and I just remember looking like gosh why don't we just do that every time just have him you know jump the ball every like. run around and score a touchdown I was like this that's great but that that was a that was a really because it was the cerebral part of it where it's like wait that's I got what I'm that. saying yeah yeah I mean here we are trying to get our, our best play in the red zone, aka gold zone for us, and um, we uh, and he ends up jumping the ball and scoring a, a touchdown. Anyways, uh, and we're like, okay, yeah, this this is pretty cool. I didn't know we were going to get this, and um, so I think that was a really cool one. But probably the the craziest throw I ever saw him make, and I still haven't decided whether or not he was throwing it out of bounds or whether he was just throwing it up. Was that same year, Kansas City Chiefs? Um, it was uh, funny because Matt, in the end Matt zone, and I, yeah, in the back of the end zone of Jamal Williams. Get out of here. I mean, and it's funny because there was history to that one is that Matt and I were arguing um, when we were game planning on what personnel grouping to use. And Matt wanted to use a crazy one. And so we, we put all these guys out there and he's like, oh, this is going to work. 
And I mean, literally, he snaps the ball, and everybody's coming after him, and he's running around, scamming, and launches it up. And I mean, it's a perfectly thrown ball to Jamal in the back back pylon to the right in in, uh, in Arrowhead. And Matt's like, "I told you it would." Oh, he's like, "I told you it would work." And uh, and I'm like, "I'm like, are you kidding me?" He ran Rogers around. Rogers has but bailed I, you out. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I was like, "Come on, man." Um, so those are the kind of the conversations that we always have during the games and stuff. But that was a pretty unbelievable throw. And he had another one that same game when he threw it to Jake Kumaro across the field. I mean, he scrambles to the right and just dimes it to him. Jake lays out and gets it. I mean, there's so many. I mean, that's the fun thing about Aaron. I mean, <laughs> it might not be a perfect play, but that, but he's going to find a way to, to, to make it work. My last one. Uh, you're going to be in New York quite a bit, I guess. You're going to have the opportunity to get to New York. The one person or I would say celebrity, non-football person. It could be and it could be anyone. It could be government, it could be anything. The one person you would love to get dinner with in New York City is who? I mean, if if it's a Jet fan, the the one person that all my yeah. kids who? and for me that like we that they were going crazy about and um I heard Adam Sandler is a is a Jeff fan. Oh, we got to get the Sandman with you. We have to make this happen. I mean, I would have said Paul Rudd because I know you and you and Paul are close, <laughs> and you know Ant Man's my favorite guy. He's a Chiefs um, fan, bro. He's, but he's a Chiefs fan. fan. Yeah. He's, a, he's a Chiefs fan. We went to rival high schools, so it's like. Um, but I mean, Adam Sandler. I mean, come on, man. I mean, Adam Sandler for me growing up. I mean, when when he was really starting. I mean, just his stand up. Uh, you know the the goat that he was and his the albums yes i mean the albums i mean people don't even know about that toll booth willie they don't even know about toll booth willie oh gosh that that his the car song and you know i mean he's i'm trying not to swear because (laughs) i know he piece of you know the car song (laughs) yeah that piece of yeah that piece of car song and and uh when he's talking about the goat and he's like throw me you button hook me i mean and, and then, I mean, just all of his movies, I mean, are, I, I mean, that was during COVID. We had an Adam Sandler, like just. The family. That was what you guys did. Oh. You go deep on Sandler. And and did oh. the kids appreciate the early Billy Madison, Happy Gilmore, or are they more the new Netflix stuff? No, they, they love them all. I mean, the one he did with Jennifer Aniston, they love yeah. them all. You know, they understand that. But it's funny going back to, I mean, just showing them Happy Gilmore for the first time, <laughs> Billy Madison for the first time. And, and my, my kids are like, what's up with the penguin? I don't get the penguin. <laughs> I don't either. You're like, I don't get it either. That's the point, you know? I mean, and, uh, but I mean, going through that, I mean, Adam Sandler, I think is, is, is one of the most legendary, uh, comedians ever. So I I love him. All right. That's, this is my goal. You know, forget my own career accolades, forget what I want (laughs) to see happen for this podcast or good morning football. My goal is to get the Sandman with Nathaniel Hackett at for dinner one day in New York. We'll, we'll, we'll make this happen, my friend. It's it's a doable oh. thing. There's got to be a way, and he is a Jets fan. I've I've heard that him and Method Man are two guys that like I I know are Jets fans that I like. I'm like this is pretty cool. Okay, so you want Staten Island and Method Man, and I believe I believe Sandler's from New Hampshire, but has his dad was a New Jets Hampshire fan. Guy. That's the story. Yeah, dad was a Jets fan. Uh Bro, I can't thank you enough. This was on your vacation week. I started off the podcast explaining how most people are away, and you took some time to to do this podcast with me, and I've been wanting to do it for a while. Nathaniel Hackett, thank you, man. You're a great dude, and I cannot wait to see what you do with this Jets offense and Aaron Rodgers this year. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me, and uh, man, I love you. You know that, and uh, hey, let's get it rolling. I'm a huge Hackett fan, I, I, and I always like Aaron as we – 
listen to him talk and all that stuff. Like he was quick and short with the Denver stuff. And I get it. It's like, he's not going to go into the, what that was and how that went down. Cause there's just no reason for him to rehash it. But like, I root for redemption. I root for a guy to get a chance. And he was like, it's, it's not a chip on the shoulder type thing, but I don't know when you hear him talk and how passionately he feels about his players and the game and coaching, like it's hard not to think that a piece of him wants to, wants to just kick ass this year. Yeah. And I mean, he had a great, a great attitude too with like, I'm going to do everything I can to get these guys as ready as possible and then watch them like make the plays on, on the field. And uh, yeah, I, I thought he was great. You know, when we talk to these coaches, sometimes they do give us incredible insights and Hackett did in a lot of ways. But then there's also this part of them where it's like, at the end of the day, I'm like, talk about an Aaron Rodgers play. He's just geeking out on it also like us. And I remember that pass to Jamal Williams that he references in the back of the end zone. And it was on a Sunday night and it was the Packers versus the Chiefs and Mahomes was out. So Matt Moore was in and it was a good game. It went back and forth. And then this pass happens and like, and then you hear Hackett talk about it. And it was one of those great stories where LaFleur is like, see, I told you I called the right thing. <laughs> Mother ever. <laughs> no, you didn't. Like, he just bailed Rogers you out. Bailed you out. He just, it's just Rogers. Um, <laughs> gosh, it's gotta be cool to coach a player with those talents, but also what he stressed a lot in that interview, having it all upstairs too. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing hearing about the cerebral parts of Rogers's game. And that's something that, ideally translates as he gets older too. It's not like he's going to lose that. It's not like it's, you know, an arm strength thing or like his running ability. Um, so yeah, got me, got me nervous about the Jets season some more. Yeah. If you're a Bills fan and Dolphins fans and Patriots fans, you hear that and you're like, eh, that's tough. Um, all right. We're going to wrap right here. Uh, Aaron, you're awesome. Thanks for doing this. I know everyone's kind of checked out in football world, but I thought Hackett was great. We're going to have another one next week. Hopefully the, one ne- the week after that, July 4th, like, Guys are around now. Hackett was filming this from like a farmhouse. Uh, they're around. They're not They're not locked into the facility. I mean, that was the saddest part. I'm like, so what do you think of New Jersey? And he's like, well, I haven't really gotten out much. I'm like, dude, <laughs> like get out. Like, oh, he's going to enjoy it. Um, but Aaron, thank you. Jason English uh, from iHeart. Thank you. Grace Fuse, who's wonderful with the editing on this stuff. And then the NFL Network folks who, gosh, guys, this went on YouTube last week, the Quasi one. And it went bananas. So it's going to be on YouTube. We're hoping that we can do that as often as possible. There's video. So that's Jason Kleinman. That's Matt Schneider. That's Meredith Batten. That's uh, David Jaranka. Find folks over there at the NFL Network. Guys, it's the season with Peter Schrager. And some of our best stuff is going to be in the offseason because these coaches and GMs are down to talk and go long. And they don't have to be out on the field and coach in five minutes. So I hope you enjoyed this one with Nathaniel Hackett and Jets fans. I think you guys got a good one. Till next week. Thanks for listening. The Season with Peter Schrager is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.